<笑>鬼岛之音 ，Ghost Island Media。Hey， it's Emily Wai Wu here. Happy holidays. It's busy season here in Taiwan as we're getting ready for the presidential and legislative elections in January. But wherever you are in the world, we hope you do get a little bit of rest this Christmas, spending time with family or friends, or even quality time with that book or TV show. For a Christmas special this year, we bring you an interview with a new, well, newish resident of Taiwan. Louis Hung is from Singapore. He's now the president of Taishin Life Insurance here in Taiwan. In this conversation, Louis and I talked about relocation, building a career and family while moving around the world, managing and navigating multicultural teams, and Oktoberfest. Louis's first time in Taiwan was in his younger days, while he was serving in the Singaporean military. He then worked as an airline pilot before entering a long career in life insurance, which has taken him from Singapore to Munich to Malta, and then finally to us here in Taiwan. This episode is a sponsored collaboration with the Taiwan Gold Card Office. Gold Card is a three-year residency and open work visa to Taiwan. Hope you enjoy. So you played basketball growing up. I played basketball since I was a boy, at ten, and I played for the school and the college. What was your position? Left forward winger because I'm not so tall. Therefore, I need to be pretty rapid, quick, and sharp. So I, I'm a forward player. What was your favorite NBA team? Uh, Chicago Bull. Me too. <laughs> What was your first NBA game to watch?、Uh, I actually inspired to watch、uh, Michael Jordan, who I believe he inspired lots of basketball player, and subsequently become leader of whatever industry they are in, because he never gave up spirit. He was rejected many times, and he overcame them. So, when you were young, what happened in your dream? I have many, but. Among many of them, I would like to fly an airplane. So subsequently, I tried to be a commercial pilot, which you did for a little while. Yeah. So what's your dream now?、Uh, to be a more transformative leader, meaning I would like to shift mindset of the people that I lead.、Mm. I, for example. To help them to discover the unlimited hidden potential they have, and I think we have a hint of how you are already achieving that dream now. So, <laughs> <laughs> still in progress. Welcome, Louis. Certainly, thank you for the invitation. All right, let's talk about your life from Singapore to Munich to Malta. There was、uh, also Scotland in between, and then now in Taiwan. So for me, growing up in Taiwan, I always knew of Singapore as a very cosmopolitan city, very、mm-hmm. international,、uh, English speaking, and with other multiple other ethnic languages. What about the other way around? What happened? Your impression of Taiwan growing up in Singapore? Just to add on, Singapore, yes, we speak many languages, and sometimes we speak in a sentence mixing three languages together. <laughs> That's our culture, and everybody understood each other in that way. So Taiwan is a very polite culture, and we're very very friendly people. So the service standard in the shopping mall or restaurant is often very high. So it's very conducive to live here. And in my early days as a soldier, I found the villagers 
respect and take care of a soldier a lot. When you were 19, you came to Taiwan mm-hmm. for the very first time, and that was with the Singaporean uh, military Correct. to Taiwan. And that's something that Singapore and Taiwan have in common, is that all men are required to participate in the military service. Mm-hmm. You were in Taiwan for seven weeks with the special forces. Mm-hmm. Tell me about this. Uh, first of all, there are some similarity between Taiwan and Singapore on the military services, but there are also some differences. So, for example, during my time, our liability of serving full-time national service is two and a half. Mm. Now they cut down to two, and we have to serve immediately after high school, i.e., after eighteen. Okay. So there's a two big differences, and I enjoy my first training to Taiwan a lot. Uh, first of all. Singapore is a very tiny country where we don't have enough land to carry out our training. Mm. So as a result of that, Singapore has many cooperation with overseas, Thailand, Australia, of course, include Taiwan. So we actually come here to learn as well as to test our capability, particularly for example on navigation in the unknown or new terrain. So this is all very exciting. And in my memory, I stay most of my time in Hukou, Xinchu. So the program is something that's been in place since 1970s. Yes. Right. You lived in Hukou and you parachuted in Hengchun in Kanding. Pingdong. In Pingdong. Pingdong. Yeah. Uh, as a special force, we are required to uh, do parachuting. At that time, we are already a trained parachuter. It's just that we need to get more experience in jumping in the foreign ground. So that was a wonderful experience. How many times? Would you say that you parachuted in Taiwan at the time? We are required to do two: okay. uh, one daytime and one in the night. Is free fall very scary? Actually, by the time we get to Taiwan, we probably have get used to it. But every jump is a different one. Mm. The most scary one is actually the second jump in my life, because during the training, we have been uh, drilled on the various uh, safety measure that's to cut down the reaction time tremendously, but in the first jump, you actually did not anticipate the real fall when you punch <laughs> out from the aircraft. So that was a very exciting one. Although, I mean, we're still human. We still have the level of fear. Mm. You need to come with some training. And the second jump, we anticipate the fall. Mm. And therefore, it's the most scary one. Have you parachuted since the military? I mean, is this something you still do, you know, when you travel the world to look for a place where it's... Because it can be just beautiful, right? Yes. Uh, the period to which you punch out the aircraft where the parachute catches air and T-wheel land is probably the most wonderful thing you can enjoy. But as a military guy, you are probably too busy because you need to watch out a lot of things and the time is actually very short. Unfortunately, no. Ever since I left the military, I did not do any parachute jumping. I have not ever parachute jumped in my life. I think maybe one day it's something to try. Yeah, as a proxy, you can sit in the hot balloon. I think that's a little bit more comfortable compared to punching off from the aircraft. I will take your suggestion. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So by the time you finished military, you were an officer, a commando leader. Very unique experience when you were 19 years old. And after that, you were very briefly a pilot for Singapore Airlines. Mm -hmm. But then you entered a career in insurance. You later became president of Prudential Insurance in Taiwan before your current role leading Taishing Life Insurance. How did these experiences about strategy, 
precision influence the way you later would think about your work? It somehow influenced me as a person and how I lead a lot. To begin with, people do not have the experience or the luxury to discover that they have unlimited potential. So I was fortunate as a special force at 19, I discovered this at a very early stage. So this somehow helped me to have a bigger dream of my whole career. So that's the one part. The other part will be actually being a special force, uh, you somehow will be constrained by limited resource to carry out your operation. So at a very young age, I need to plan all this operation and I start to believe probably less is more. Mm. Less is more, be focused and your impact is probably greater than what you spread your resources around. So that's the second part, less is more. And uh, life is short and full of uncertainty. Being a trained actuarist, my professions help to bring the level of uncertainty to the lowest possible level. So these three probably navigate me throughout my career. Unleashing your potential so that we can have bigger dreams, realizing that less is more, so working with the resources that you have, and then knowing how to deal with the uncertainties. I feel like all of us should go through special forces training. <laughs> <laughs> I was fortunate enough to be selected. Later on, you lived in Europe for the bulk of your career, rising in the ranks at the multinational company Munich Re. Reinsurance company, yes. What was yes. life like in Munich? Uh, Germany and Singapore, for some reason, they are, have some similarity. Of course, there are difference, but there are some similarity. For example, very organized. Germans are very organized. Mm -hmm. The train run on time. Even there's a strike. Uh, you will be informed before that. <laughs> and Munich is reasonably clean, so it's also like Singapore. Uh, to certain extent, they have also got some regulation to govern the place. So very similar to Singapore. And uh, it's my second sting to Europe when my wife is actually highly pregnant. Highly pregnant means actually Singapore Airlines refused to take us because it is actually more than 32 weeks. Okay, oh wow. So, but the German, the Lufthansa airline, uh -huh. have a cut at 36. So we managed <laughs> to get into the airplane. So both of your kids were born in Germany? Yeah, both girls were born in Germany. And uh, this journey has been also very fruitful to me. Mm. Uh, being a father, I become more uh, patient. I used to be less patient when I don't have children. I become more patient. And they helped me to discover life is about more than work. Mm. So it's a wonderful experience. Sounded like you had a great time in Germany. I mean, family life. But then also Munich is known for its Oktoberfest. Mm -hmm. Did you participate every year? We actually were paid to bring clients to the Oktoberfest every year. Here we go. <laughs> because it's Saturday or Sunday, it's uh, normally not a working day. And uh, Oktoberfest is in late September to early October. So many visitors, our clients, will come to Munich, Germany. As a client manager, we're supposed to take care of them. So we are paid to bring clients to drink beer <laughs> and, and have the roasted chicken and cultivate a better working relationship uh, among our clients. Well, so for somebody who is going to Oktoberfest for the very first time, how would you advise them a strategy? Do you go through the every beer brand or do you go through every area? Or 
usually uh, it is packed with tourists. So the company will try to secure seats in certain tent. So we cannot go around many brewery. So we try to stick to Agostina, which is the best in Germany. <laughs> and you hear about, you know, the giant pints of beers everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I only later realized that only six breweries are allowed to sell beers at Oktoberfest. To be honest, I'm not aware of this. <laughs> you probably know more than me. Uh, but what I can share with you is that certain very well-known and good brewery like Agustina uh-huh. are only selling in Germany. They do uh-huh. not do export, so uh-huh. it's very unknown uh-huh. outside Germany. Mm-hmm. But they have probably the best beer in the world. All right, so find out where the Agustina is and then just stick to that. Okay. And after Munich, you spent another three years in Malta. Mm-hmm. Malta is an island state just south of Italy in the Mediterranean Sea. It's a tiny place with a population of just half a million people. What was it like moving around with your family at the time? How did you and your wife convince the kids that they were going to be moving around so much? So after being to Germany, which is our first thing after I got married, and both girls were born in Munich, and at the end of the third year, we probably are prepared to pack up and go back to Singapore. Mm. Uh, that was the intention of the whole assignment. So this opportunity came about is to set up a very specialist subsidiary in Malta, which is within EU, of which they found that my skill set is what they need. So I went with three other Germans as a senior management to set up the whole company. So what I share will be, it's certainly very important to have family support particularly your wife. Yeah. I was fortunate because both girls are still very young. So they probably, uh, I don't need their consent. But of course, uh, during the so-called visit to the new city, it's always get them involved. We're going for apartment hunting together. Mm. We're going for school hunting together. That actually helped also to build up the family bond. Yeah, so being that's during a visit or that's after you already arrived? So how the ministry normally arranges we'll be having this so called look and see trip. Mm-hmm. So if you are selected to be sent there, so you will put on a look and see trip. So they organize a week for you and bring your family there to experience it, just to see is it okay to leave this for a few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a look and feel trip. And during the look and see trip, we also uh, look for some possible apartment. And uh, schools particularly important. So after that, then everything set ready. Once we get the work permit, then we will be injected into Malta. And one particular thing I want to share is that overseas assignment, one of the advantages is that family bonding is stronger because we know fewer people. Mm. So the time that we have among the family member, we have more. So for that reason, then our family bond is stronger. And I particularly can recall very interesting time. For example, we just landed in Malta. Uh, my elder daughter then was already close to four. So she actually asked me, Daddy, where can we get uh, the German sausage? <laughs> so we went around to do the German supermarket hunting uh-huh. and we get the German sausage for her. Fine. <laughs> like a treasure hunt out yes, of it. Yes, yes. 
It was exciting. Okay, I see. So the look, the one week look, was really important to get them into the mindset of, oh, imagine being here. This is the exciting place we're about to move to,、mm-hmm. and then get them really involved. But now that they're in Taiwan with you now, yes, they're a bit older now. Did you have to convince them to move to Taiwan? So after Malta, I have been sent to Mainly to establish a branch in Taiwan as a CEO.、Mm-hmm. So that was only a slightly less than two year the trip. At that time, they already in TES. Uh, European school at the Taipei、uh, European School. So after that, I returned to Singapore and joined other company.、Okay. I actually take the challenge to return to Taiwan and join Potential Taiwan. At that time, twenty eighteen, it was due to two reason.、Mm-hmm. Uh, one is that personally, I hope my both girl will have the better Mandarin speaking environment for、mm-hmm. them to speak better Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.、Uh, Great place to practice yes, your Mandarin. Correct, correct. Because I believe that it's really difficult to preserve the Chinese tradition and culture through English. Right, it's right. impossible. So、right. therefore,、uh, that's, especially that's if、one. you're on the road, right? Yeah. yeah. So the Chinese were saying the Meng Mu Shan Qian, right?、Uh-huh. So I move a lot of places and come to Taiwan. Hopefully, they they can learn better Mandarin. No, about five years later, they speak relatively fluent Chinese. So I'm happy on the personal side、mm-hmm. and on the professional sides. Uh, because I've been always with the reinsurance company, where it's on the B two B model.、Mm. So this invitation to join Potential Taiwan is a direct operation. So it not only have the B two B, but you also have the B two C, the direct customer engagement. So I was intrigued to see all these years of skill set that I learned in the reinsurance. Can it be applied into the direct operation? So I took the challenge to return to Taiwan on that basis. Oh, fascinating. Okay, let's take a short break here, and then when we come back, we'll talk about、uh, what you do here in Taiwan and、okay. working in、uh, cross culture and cross language environments. Welcome back. We've been talking to Lewis Hung, president of Taishin Life Insurance. Lewis has been telling us about building a career and a family while moving around the world, and then now at Taishin, a Taiwanese company. You've lived and worked in Singapore, in Scotland, in Germany, in Malta, and now grounded back in Taiwan. That is a lot of languages and cultures you're working with. A lot of people from all over the world that you have to interface and negotiate with throughout the decades. And my guess is you do an incredible job at this.、Um, <laughs> so my question is. What have you loved about working in this environment, and you know how would you advise new managers in similarly multinational and multicultural teams? Well, I think I am fortunate to be moving around the world and experience different culture. And the most important element of doing this, you must enjoy what you are doing. Meaning, you really need to have a curious mind on how different. Culture will influence the people think and behave and the way they act.、Mm. So with this, I meant there's no right or wrong way of doing, but you need to understand the local culture in order to implement whatever strategy or execution that you want to do. So that's the I call the localizing the condition before you can push out your strategy and execution. So that's very important and.、Uh, It's also very important that you need to encourage people to actually air their view、mm-hmm. whenever we are in the problem-solving phase. 
because I believe with different culture environment, meaning people think differently, will bring different perspective into the innovation solution. And hence, it's also more complete. Of course, the challenge for the leader is that with a diverse view, in the first phase, you need to then converge those view into the solution. That takes a bit of work, but certainly it's worth it because the solution that you finally craft is a lot more complete and it tends to be a little bit more innovative. What stood out to me was the ability to, as you call it, localizing the condition, understanding what those local particular needs are to then be able to encourage and empower your teams. How long would you say for each of these locations you were at, how long was that learning curve for the culture? Not necessarily learning curve for mm-hmm. the company, but just for the local culture. Once you have an open mind and curious mind about learning the local culture, I think 50% of the problem is solved because Mm -hmm. then you realize your problem. That is to learn the local culture. And as I move from city to city, the period to which you need to understand the local culture will get shorter and shorter. Of course, the first time you do it, it will take a bit longer. But soon as you get used to it, and as soon as now, if I walk into a new city or environment having a meeting, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I immediately can smell the different culture. Mm. So it requires some practical training, but this period will get shorter and shorter. That seems hopeful to say that, right? If you understand the culture, then you're 50% there. So if Mm -hmm. you could see yourself shortening that difference, cutting it down by half, and then another half, eventually you're there, but you're not racing against any time. Mm. Yeah. What about particular challenges to Taiwan? Taishin Life Insurance is a company of about 1,200 employees. Has there been particular difficulties or perks that you face as a foreigner manager here in a Taiwanese company? And I have the privilege to be selected to lead the new company uh, as a president. New as in because Taishin took over Correct. Prudential in 2021. Yeah. So a big part of my old colleague that was from Prudential Taiwan tend to attract people that like to work for the foreign company. Mm-hmm. And very briefly, Taiwanese, one group of them like to work for the foreign company. The other one probably like to work with the Taiwan company. <laughs> so I begin with the colleague that more or less on the foreign company. So the challenge is actually mm-hmm. from this switch is on the mindset shift. Okay. Uh, because you meaning. had to integrate the two. Yeah. Well, I need to explain that we are now having a different owner. And there will be similarity and differences between the two. So, for example, I think the U.S. Prudential and Tyson mm. Life both believe in in-depth investigation and analyzing for your strategy part. Both are the same. But when you come to execution, these two companies have totally different direction. Mm-hmm. So, take for example, if we have a plan for next year and start the new year, then we start to roll out the execution plan. Under the potential Taiwan, they will then strictly believe that since we spend so much time on planning, you should just execute your plan. Right? <laughs> Regardless of the underlying condition of the plan may have changed. Right? So Taising is a little bit more flexible mm. and they will then say, yeah, you shouldn't execute your plan because the underlying assumption of the plan have trained drastically. So therefore, you should team mm. your execution plan in light of these changes. So there are some differences. So with this, then come back to the cultural part is that 
people under the US path, I call, will then stick to the schedule. Mm-hmm. At, the plan is at this time, I'm supposed to do this. Mm. So now, because we need to shift and do something else, so then they have to be flexible enough to stop whatever they are doing and switch to doing something different. Mm-hmm. So this is a, a bit of cultural shift. They need to get used to it. So meaning you adjust your execution plan in light with the changes of the environment. Mm-hmm. And that will means that you need to postpone or stop whatever you're doing and do something new, uh, which means you need to do the most important thing first yeah. and not doing your plan. Yeah. That's a very big shift between the American planning and execution and the current Tyson and execution. Did you have to look at case studies from Taiwan from other similar situations or is this something that, you know, you came in and said, I've been around the world in so many countries, different cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll figure out a model for us that's right for our company. Because I think I've heard a lot of other companies that try to do similar things as well and are currently are going that switch right now. Mm-hmm. I was actually fortunate because I was invited to Potential Taiwan on the basis that to transform the company. So transformation is part of my plan uh, while I'm here. And the colleague whom I work with under Potential Taiwan have more or less get used to the way I think, meaning I'm here to transform. And I must say that Potential Taiwan is lucky to have a, a new shareholder like Taising. They are willing to have more resources to invest in so that we can grow faster. And that's to the benefit of our customer, actually. Mm-hmm. And also have various uh, ESG element into it. Mm-hmm. So being a leader to transform the company, the easiest is when there's a shareholder change. <laughs> so I was lucky in this sense. Okay. But it sounded like you're also the right person for this job with your international background. Yeah, a little bit more on that mindset shift before we move on to the next question. You had this opportunity to be in the special forces, to be trained in a very different, unique way that it sounds like you've carried throughout with you your entire career in management. For most of us who have not gone through that experience, are there particular exercises you do with your company to try to get that mindset change, trying to unlock that potential you talked about that we mm-hmm. didn't realize that we have? That's a very good question. Uh, and as leader, there are various ways to do. And first thing, you have to lead by example. And people will tend to believe you more if they have seen and experienced a little project that have a very high impact into the outcome. Having said that, I think you can always accelerate this whole process. Uh, one thing I'll suggest is to have a team building organized, particularly for a new team or new division, which I did in 2019 when I joined Potential Taiwan. Uh, so every year I carry out a team building exercise for my division. You can hire a tailor-made mindset shift program through specialized trainer. Mm. And I'm in particularly very impressed with uh, our bound school. That's a school that actually established uh, to educate or share how a person can use their mental power to overcome their body. That means Use your mental power to overcome body, physical limitations. Physical limitations. Through doing some uh, activity. Uh, They don't have to be physical activity. They're having some uh, games or whatever. Uh, And I can recall that when I 
trying to introduce this when I first in Potential Taiwan, uh, I did mention that we should do kayaking. 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 Fine. Uh, and, uh-huh. and we should kayak the one round of Taiwan. Wow. So uh-huh. that was a almost impossible vision. Yeah. Uh, but you had to start from, let's say we go to a bigger lake to kayak one round, the smaller one first. So step by step. I was lucky because in Singapore, I also went to outbound school. And at the last exercise, it's always around the Singapore trip. Mm-hmm. We canoe, mm-hmm. we kayak mm-hmm. around Singapore in less than three days. So did you kayak around Taiwan eventually? Uh, no, no, no. no, no, no. What I'm trying to say is that to, to state a statement that is yep. virtually like will shock them, yeah. but actually we can overcome to a smaller uh, scale yeah. to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually when you did that team building, was it a competition between the different divisions or was it uh, let's do this together all in oh, one? Okay. Was it, what it, That's a, also a very good question. Actually, the whole part of team building mm-hmm. is... Uh, to break away from the competition level. Mm, love that. Uh, meaning one plus one is more than two. Mm. So the different part of the team must be able to work efficiently with the other part to have the synergy so that you add them up will be more. I love that. And also at the same time, they get to, uh, the employees get to go out a little bit um, mm. instead of at the office mm. and experience some fun. But at the same time, spend time with your colleagues um, in a really meaningful way that you otherwise would not. And mm. But then you're, you know, creating memories together and mm-hmm. creating, mm. um, imagining kind of uh, put your hearts together and in completing what seemed like an impossible task. Mm. Um, what a special experience. Yep. And going from multinationals to multinationals to multinationals as presidents, <laughs> um, I'm sure you have your fair share of media interviews, mm-hmm. also in Taiwan, mm-hmm. um, and going through such massive changes. What is it like working with Taiwanese, uh, interfacing with Taiwanese media? And mm-hmm. Do you have advice for other foreign managers coming in who have to talk to Taiwanese media? When I came to Taiwan in late 2018, being a chief strategy officer, I have many functions. Mm-hmm. And one of the areas that I practically have no experience is on how to handle media because I'm also in charge of corporate communications. So I learn how to do it. I'm still learning how to uh, handle media better. By and large, I think you need to focus on a few things. One is that learn as much local language as possible because the culture and the value and the way that they do things is embedded in the language. So understanding this will then help in finding a way out. That's one. Uh, two is that just be positive, mm-hmm. i.e. focus on those positive aspects of the topic uh, whenever you are facing the challenge. Mm-hmm. Be positive about the challenges. And also one thing that you've gone back to many times is the familiarity, opening yourself up to learning local culture and the language. And uh, you said that you came back for Prudential in 2018. And then uh, next up, uh, let's talk about the gold card, because by 2020, you then became a recipient of the gold card visa program. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the gold card. Mm -hmm. That is the wonderful office that's brought us together today. Yep. You got your gold card in 2020? That's right. Tell me about the process. How actually this scheme helped me is amazing because uh, I came in late 2018 with a special permit as an actuary and I entered. 
it is through the early 2020 that Potential Taiwan have made a decision to exit Taiwan. So the former permit is usually tied with Potential Taiwan. So within a certain number of days, if the employment contract is terminated, I and my whole family have to exit Taiwan and that create a lot of uncertainty. And this gold card came, uh, so I applied and I got in on the 3rd of July. I remember this very well, 3rd of July 2020. Uh, I'm grateful to this because it is not linked to any employer. Mm-hmm. So it's an open permit and you also have the right to stay uh, plus your dependent. Mm-hmm. So I'm grateful for this to tie me through this period. And the uh, application process is actually very easy mm-hmm. because all the regulations are clearly stated in the website. Mm-hmm. Plus, they have a very efficient platform that through the application to submitting your document, all this can be done through that platform. And it's really easy to use. So I got my application pretty quickly. And I, I was the first, I think, less than 100 uh-huh. under the finance track. Oh, wow. That's really early on. Mm. And that's good to hear that it was a really painless, simple process through the platform. Um, how fast are we talking? Slightly more than a month. Wow. That's very efficient. Yeah. Plus, and this platform, this GoCup uh, actually helped me to transit into a longer plan into Taiwan. Mm-hmm. So uh, last year, I applied uh, APRC, the Permanent Residence of Taiwan. That process is even shorter. And the uh, government of Taiwan have committed 14 working days. You will get an uh, answer. No way. Yes. I got my approval on the 13 days. This is really a uh, efficient scheme as well. Yeah. It was only last year when they updated the law so that now go car holders are... Within three, but not five. That's yes. right. That's uh, right. Took, so I took advantage of the change. That's right. Uh, right. And the uh, difference between the go kart and APRC is simply uh, go kart have a time limit. Yeah. Every time is three years and APRC is permanent. And the Gold Card program also holds a lot of socials and professional networking events. Have mm. you been to take advantage of those? Certainly, certainly. I I think I attended a few, but my most um, nice trip that I've been was a day trip to Yilan. And you finish with uh, dinner with uh, NDC mm-hmm. uh, minister, mm-hmm. Mr. Gong, where I then understand the whole planning uh, on go card and the vision of the government a little bit better. For example, mm. the Financial Services Commission, FSC, who govern us, have a vision on the 2030 vision that they hope to achieve bilingual mm. in uh, Taiwan financial services mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, by then. So as a result of that, they require experienced foreign language teacher to be in because Bilingual, yeah, yeah. and as well as some specialist professions like actuaries, uh, accountant uh, under the finance track, and of course you got a law track and the uh, other track. So it's a very planned okay. uh, scheme in order to position Taiwan as a future financial center. Did you get a sense from them that bilingual plan for the financial services, how widespread are we talking? This is every banking document, every bank statement, applications, credit cards, and how, I mean, this is a very small consumer level um, I just mentioned, um, mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. dealing with a much more kind mm-hmm. of institutional level. Mm-hmm. Um, did you get a sense of how grand this vision is? 
I think you will probably unfold step by step. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first layer should be all the institution to institution. So for that, in order to do some of the job that currently done in Hong Kong and Singapore as a financial service, you really have to be bilingual because that mm-hmm. is for the convenience of your customer. Mm-hmm. So with that position, then I would think that is on track to this vision they are doing. That's great to hear. Mm-hmm. Well, so finally, I mean, speaking of challenges, so how would you advise a new person coming to Taiwan? Overseas, if it is for the first time, mm-hmm. uh, my top advice is having an open mind. Mm. Having an open mind to learn and respect the local culture because without this, I don't see how you can push your strategy and execution plan effectively. Mm. So that is very important. And as I said before, if it is in Taiwan specific, it's advisable to learn the local language as much as you can. The reason being the culture and the value and how the people think is embedded in their language. So I don't see how you can get this without some appreciation of the language. And uh, first time in Taiwan, then I will strongly encourage people to consider GoCard. It's a very good scheme mm. for a few reasons. One is not tied to a particular employer. So you got full flexibility on your career planning. Two is that you can observe from the GoCard office when they craft out this scheme, they work on even very detailed items mm-hmm. such as when you enter Taiwan immigration, there's mm-hmm. a special counter to which GoCard can take the advantage to avoid the lengthy queue and enter Taiwan immigration. And uh, first time in Taiwan mm-hmm. working, you will enjoy the tax advantage mm-hmm. uh, that the scheme comes with. All right. So your advice is to take advantage of the gold card for all its convenience from the special lane at the airport to tax advantage. Maybe also the flexibility, as you said, to mm. be able to plan your career in ways that would otherwise not be possible. Mm. Local languages and culture. I mean, you have the advantage of knowing Mandarin already. <laughs> uh, as good as I can get by, but I yeah. think it's not enough yeah. uh, as a foreigner. But I still would like to learn more Mandarin. Well, thank you so much for today. I really enjoyed the conversation and thank you for sharing your life story and all your philosophy about cross-culture work and collaboration. I love the bits about the changing the mindset. And to me, it sounds like kind of every decade you are able to take your learnings from your previous decade to change your particular mindset and apply that into your current status at the time, wherever you were. And I find that so important. I really find that really valuable some of the tips that you gave. But also, yeah, another thing is if you have a young family, travel a lot because your young children cannot say no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I take full advantage that they are still uh, small in order to uh, have this venture. But it's really important to have your spouse, yeah. your wife to support you yeah, uh, yeah. throughout this journey, without which I don't think it's, it's possible or meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, have a great time in Taiwan now that you're APRC, to stay for as long as you like yes. as a whole family. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. This episode is a sponsored collaboration with the Taiwan Go Card office. Find out more about how you can come to Taiwan on the gold card, goldcard.nat.gov.taiwan. Project manager for this episode is Serena Pai from the Gold Card office. Gerald Williams from Ghost Island Media is our audio editor. Happy holidays.